Welcome back to the Community Christian Church podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchin for week three in our series, Making Room in Advent. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Do you remember? Go ahead and share it with others who are watching by putting it in the chat. We all had childhood dreams. What did I want to be? I remember at one time wanting to be a school teacher. During another phase, I wanted to be a brain surgeon. But who I really wanted to be, so much so that I had a life-size poster on my wall, was Magic Johnson. Yes, I was always tall for my age, and I thought I had the guard skills, so I wanted to play point guard for the Lakers in the NBA. Now, there were a few problems with my childhood dream, a few points of reality that I didn't consider when I was nine. But that's the way it goes with most of our childhood dreams. They are supposed to be a bit outlandish and unrealistic, right? But at some point, we grow up and our dreams get a little smaller. But what if that's not the way it's supposed to be? Now, I'm not saying we should chase our childhood dreams. The window on me becoming Magic Johnson has closed. I'm confident in that. But I think there is still a dream inside of you. There is a dream inside of me. There is something inside of us that makes us feel alive. It's a dream God has placed in our hearts. Maybe you dream of starting a business. Maybe you dream of creating something beautiful for people to enjoy. Maybe you dream of raising a child. Maybe you dream of writing a book. Maybe you dream of using what you've been through to make a difference. I believe that there is a dream inside of you. It could be that right now that dream is fuzzy. You're not even sure what it is. Or perhaps you know, but when you think about it, you're filled with all kinds of questions, doubts, and fears. It might seem as unrealistic as becoming Magic Johnson. Today, I want to ask you to risk letting your dream come to the forefront of your mind. In fact, go ahead and hold out your hands like this in front of you. Imagine your dream there in your hands before God. And today, I want to invite you to make room for God to speak to you about the dream you hold. Making room is what we're inviting everyone to do throughout this Advent season. God was actively at work during that first Advent season, and He is actively at work right now. Advent simply means coming. It's a season of transition between what is and what will be. The characters we read about in the Christmas story were experiencing that transition. God was at work in their lives, and as we dig into their stories, I think we'll find that God wants to be at work in our lives in similar ways. Last week, we talked about Mary and her encounter with an angel who told her that she would give birth to the Messiah. God literally planted a new dream into Mary's life. A day earlier, she was just an ordinary young woman going about her daily life. And now she was carrying the Son of God within her, the one who would sit on a throne and rule over a kingdom that would never end. 
Imagine what Mary's life was like the morning after the visit from the angel. Here she was, a young woman, an insignificant person from a small town. And yet, she now held a massive dream inside of her. Mary had accepted her calling, but she still had to be carrying questions, fear, and doubt. It would only have been natural for her to think, this dream is too big. I don't know if I can do this. So what does she do? To pick up the story, let's hear from Betty Dickinson. Betty is an artist whose paintings and reflections from her new book are helping us enter into the Advent story. Here's Betty to introduce us to the next character who enters the story of Advent. Upon hearing the news about her pregnancy, Mary must have been scared. There was so much risk involved in this promise. What was she going to do? Who would believe her? Yet she remembers the promise the angel Gabriel gave her, that her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant with a promise and was in her sixth month. If this was true, Elizabeth would have been showing by now. She had to get to Elizabeth, to glimpse a dream in the flesh. So she travels the three to five day journey to her home. And when Mary sets her eyes on Elizabeth, she sees that she too is ripe with a promise, and it shows. When Mary greets Elizabeth, Mary is in for a shocking surprise. When Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, John the Baptist leaps within her womb and is filled with the Holy Spirit. She erupts in this loud proclamation, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Elizabeth calls herself favored to be in the presence of the mother of her Lord. Even though Elizabeth is the elder one and culturally superior, she humbles herself before Mary. She calls her blessed, a recognition of Mary's honor. And rather than envying Mary's role in the story, Elizabeth is filled with joy and awe that she gets to be a part of it. She is secure in who she is. Like Mary, she too was chosen for God's purposes. And when you are secure in your calling, there's room to see wonder in someone else's. So Elizabeth makes room for Mary. Come on in, Mary. There's room for you here. There's room for your fears and your big dreams. There's room for your destiny. There's room for your voice at the table. There's room for your gifts. Elizabeth isn't threatened by Mary. She recognizes that in God's economy, blessing is not a finite resource. Her posture of humility is what enables her to behold Jesus within Mary. When Elizabeth names what she sees in Mary, something miraculous happens. Something stirs on the inside of Mary and she erupts to sing the song she was meant to sing with her life. A song we know of as the Magnificat. If you've ever had someone name the stirring within you, you know what this is. It's the moment when an underutilized gift is named by a friend after you've been secretly ruminating about it for months. It's the feeling of having desires called forth by someone who loves you. It's the moment when the dream you can't quite put your finger on is identified by someone who truly sees you. These are holy moments. 
Could it be that God wants you to experience holy moments like these this Christmas? Mary's response to her encounter with the angel is to set off to see her relative, Elizabeth. There's something super important for us to recognize in this detail of the Christmas story. When God plants a new dream inside of Mary, what is the first thing she does? She looks for community. So often we carry our dreams hidden, don't we? I mean, so many times we believe that we have to carry the weight of our hopes and aspirations alone, but not Mary. She goes in search of community. And what a beautiful picture this becomes. Here we have an older woman, Elizabeth, pregnant at last after years of waiting for her dream to come true. And Mary bearing a new dream that came much sooner than she was expecting. If you think about it, Elizabeth could have been resentful of Mary. She had endured so much longing, so much waiting, so much pain. Elizabeth had to wait a long time for her dream. And now that it was almost here, she could have been so wrapped up in her own dream that Mary could have been an intrusion. But that's not what happens. Instead, when Elizabeth sees Mary... In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. What does Elizabeth do? She affirms and celebrates what is being born in Mary. Elizabeth's prophetic declaration of how God was at work in Mary's life confirms what Mary had heard from the angel and calls forth the song that Mary was always meant to sing. We know this song as Mary's great Magnificat. As I sing it to you, I want you to pay attention to the change in Mary. This young woman who was filled with with questions and fear and doubt as she crossed the threshold of Elizabeth's home is now full of confidence. Ready? I'm just kidding. (laughs) No singing. I'm just going to read it to you. It's long, but lean into these words. Mary sings, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Can you hear Mary's confidence in this song? She's so confident that she sings in the past tense. 
The mighty one has done great things. He has performed mighty deeds. He has brought down rulers. He has filled the hungry. He has helped his servant Israel. She's singing about both what God has done and what he will do. She still didn't know how everything would turn out, but she confidently trusts in God. Scholar Fred Craddock notes, so sure is the singer that God will do what is promised, that it is proclaimed as an accomplished fact. In the song, Mary carries a confidence that the dream God placed inside of her will come true. You've likely heard the Magnificat read at Christmas services or referenced in songs. What I want us to recognize today is that Mary didn't sing her song after the angel appeared to her. She didn't sing her song while she was traveling. She sang her song in response to Elizabeth's affirmation of her calling. When Mary and Elizabeth came together, something powerful happened. Think of it like Mentos and Diet Coke. You know what happens when Mentos and Diet Coke come together, right? I mean, how many of you did this experiment when you were a kid? You take two ordinary things, a simple candy and a bottle of pop, and on their own, nothing too exciting. But when you put them together, it's explosive. What does this have to do with Mary and Elizabeth? What does this have to do with you and me? Well, when one person hears something from God, and then another person comes along and affirms it, it is explosive. Something happens in that combination that doesn't happen if the two people are left to themselves. Have you ever experienced that? I remember a number of years ago when the leadership of community invited me into this role of leading the teaching team for our church. And I felt my own share of questions, fear, and doubt. I believed God was opening the door for me to take on this new role, but I wasn't sure it was that I was really equipped to do it. But shortly after I took it on, I was at a conference, and I was sitting next to a young college-age guy whom I'd never met. We didn't say anything other than hi at the start of the session. But when the session was over, he sheepishly turned to me, and as nervous as a person could be, he said, I think I'm supposed to tell you something. Okay, I said, whatever it is, you can tell me. And then he said, all throughout this session, I felt like I'm supposed to tell you that God loves the sound of your voice. And in that moment, I knew he wasn't talking about my singing voice. God was using this young college guy to be the Elizabeth I needed, to help me find my voice so that I could sing the song God gave me to sing. And something inside of me exploded. We aren't meant to live out our purpose in this world alone. God calls us to be a community that walks together, supporting, encouraging, and calling out the best in each other. And even though our culture idolizes the Lone Ranger and the self-made man or woman, the reality is it takes the voices of others to help us find our own. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell tells the, the somewhat tragic story of Christopher Langan. Christopher was a genius with a, a staggering IQ of 195. 
For those of you who are not familiar with IQ scores, 195 is crazy high. Just to put it in perspective, Einstein, probably the greatest scientific mind in the modern era, had an IQ of 150. Christopher's intellect made Einstein's look like just a regular Joe. During high school, Christopher could ace any foreign language test by skimming the textbook for two to three minutes before the exam. He got a perfect score on his SAT, even though at one point he fell asleep. But for all his incredible potential, Christopher never really used his exceptional gifts and ended up doing menial work on a horse farm in rural Missouri. According to Gladwell, the tragedy of Christopher's story is that he never had a community to help him capitalize on his gifts. Gladwell summarizes his story in one sentence. He writes, Christopher had to make his way alone, and no one, not rock stars, not professional athletes, not software billionaires, and not even geniuses, ever makes it alone. Christopher Langan needed an Elizabeth. I love the way Betty Dickinson says it in her new book. She says, when an Elizabeth sees something within us and gives it a name, she calls forth who we are becoming. She calls us to arise into the handcrafted masterpiece we were created to be. And when she does, something supernatural happens. We sing the song we were made to sing. Having someone affirm or confirm a next step or a dream or a calling can be an explosive catalyst in our lives. And we want to be that for each other. God calls us to be a community that walks together, supporting, encouraging, and calling out the best in each other. This is not something we just want to talk about. It's who we want to be as a church family. And so, we want to give you a few moments right now to reflect on both parts of what we have been talking about so far. Let's call it a Mary challenge and an Elizabeth challenge. I'd encourage you to pull out your phone and open a note or grab a piece of paper and a pen if you somehow still operate in the analog world. You might even want to name your note Mentos and Coke as a reminder of the explosive nature of what we're discussing. Let me pray for us and then we'll start. Holy Spirit, come. We open ourselves, our hearts, and our minds to you right now. Speak to us in a way that we can understand. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first, the Mary challenge. What is the dream inside of you? Is there a next step or a potential calling in your life or your faith that you haven't been able to shake? Maybe there is something that you know God is calling you to. What is it? Take a moment now to listen for a prompting from God. Write down anything coming to your mind in this moment, even if it doesn't make sense right now. You're not making a commitment, so don't hesitate or overthink it. It could be something big or it could be something small, but whatever it is, just write it down right now in this moment.
And now, who do you need to share that dream with? Remember, sometimes it takes the voices of others to help us find our own. So write down a name or names right now. And now the second part of our challenge, the Elizabeth challenge. What do you see in someone else that you need to name? How might God want to use you to humbly support the dreams of others? Take a moment now and write down any names or details that come to mind for you as you reflect on these questions. Is there any specific step, word, or action you sense God leading you to in this moment? It's okay if you don't know exactly in this moment, but let's together create some space to listen and think about how we might encourage, affirm, or confirm a dream or a next step in someone else's life. Remember, it isn't on you to come up with the vision for someone's life. But the power comes when you simply name what you see, and that confirms what God has already whispered to that person. So many people are looking for confirmation or affirmation of a dream or a next step in their lives. Would you be willing to be the Elizabeth in their lives? Be kind and be bold and tell them what you see. I believe that God has placed a dream within you. It might be something huge and overwhelming, or it might be something intimate and personal. But whatever it is, there is a song that you are meant to sing in this world. And the same is true for every person you encounter today. We aren't meant to be left on our own to live out our purpose in this world. We are meant to help one another sing. It's why here at Community, we always talk about living a connected life. It's a life of connection with God, a life of being connected with others in the church so that together we can connect with the world and live out our purpose. As I wrap this up today, I wanna let you know that after the holidays, we're going to be starting a new series all about this U plus life, this connected life if what we've talked about today piques your interest to discover and live that life, I wanna invite you to join us on that journey starting January 8th. But for now, let me simply remind you that during this Advent season, we make room for God to work in our lives by making room for each other. So add your voice to the chorus God is bringing together in this community and together, let's sing. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about. 
a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.